Why would I want to go back to a church, you know, the kind of church that I grew up in, the pastors of the churches I grew up in and the people in the churches I grew up in were good people, but they had no paradigm for what vulnerability looked like. That sense, if they only knew you, they wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. I think that a lot of the church would do really well to slow down yes. and listen and actually look someone in the eye and say, tell me, tell me your story. I feel like the Lord just said it to me. And I'm like, what? Is that there was a time when he made very clear to me, Gary, you are more judgmental toward others than they ever are toward you. Then it took the Lord actually coming against your own judgment, if I'm mm -hmm. putting this together, to mm -hmm. break you into like even opening yourself to the church and saying, okay, maybe I am harshly judging these people and maybe they do have something for me. For the longest time, I lived in bitterness toward the church and toward Christian people because there is an expectation that somehow they're responsible for my spiritual welfare. Feeling seen um, isn't the same as feeling known, but it's the beginning, right? Yep. It's the beginning That's of true. being known. And when we're not known, we're lonely. You know, we can be full, we can be in a crowd of people and be absolutely lonely. Honestly, I wouldn't trade my worst day today for my best day back in the day because I'm standing on solid ground. First, isolation comes out of shame. So if you're ashamed of yourself, you're gonna isolate, you're gonna That's go, right. you're gonna hide, right? And then when you're hidden, you know, it's easy to lie to you because you can't bring it into light and let mm -hmm. someone say, what? That doesn't, that doesn't right. make any sense. I think the church needs to grow tremendously in its capacity to really be family to one another. The first thing love is, is patient. Patience doesn't wait long, it waits well. Yeah. And if you're waiting well, it doesn't matter how long you wait. It's rich on the other side of the waiting and it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth the yes. struggle of the wait. I don't no. say that to them. I don't say you need to accept everything I believe or else we can't be friends. I can't right. ever say that, right? So that that that's a false paradigm, but getting out of that and into those who say, well, this is where this is where I found community. I can't find it because over here, those people stuck in that place. Like, yeah. do you have an answer? You might not have an answer. Like I might just be looking for a, a fix. No, here. it's, I don't it's know. a great, it's a great question. And and it brings up some some real memories that um uh, you know that that I, in writing my book recently and getting that out last month, I mean, I, I, this is kind of fresh in my mind that it, it was a real challenge. I mean, why would I want to go back to a church that, right. that, you know, the kind of church that I grew up in and assuming that, you know, all churches are kind of basically the same way. And, and, and let me just say the pastors of the churches I grew up in and the people in the churches I grew up in, in were good people, you know, they, right. they struggled with their own crap and all of that, but they weren't out to, they weren't out to intentionally harm me or to harm one another. They wanted to love one another well, but they had no paradigm for what vulnerability looked like. I mean, it was just, it was just non-existent. Mm. And, and so we're all hiding in our little, even our little tiny country churches, we're all hiding <laughs> um, in our, in our little, you know, in our images that we're projecting for everybody to see and, and learning and growing up in that environment, learning and growing up in these families that that's what you do and you take it on without even knowing what you're doing exactly. And, right. and so, you know, this, this sense of freedom and this sense of being able to have a conversation. I mean, I, I only sometimes say today that there were times that I had deeper 
better conversation sitting on a bar stool next to somebody than I've had with many people in churches. And I know right. for some people that's really in the church, that's really grating. Like uh, some people may listen to this and think, you know, uh, what How are you talking you? about as a Christian? Right. And, uh, but, but, and that was a huge wrestle. One of the things that, um, well, two things that I felt like looking back that um, the enemy of my soul ruled me with were two statements, two things that were in the back of my mind and were projected forward into my thinking all the time. I mean, probably hundreds of times a day and for for years was um, in just in a, in a growing fashion. One was um, if they only knew you, and this is in the context of the church. If they only knew you, they wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. So no matter how kind someone seemed, no matter how, especially wow. men, no matter how um, much somebody seemed like they would, you know, they they might be a safe friend or or a good brother to hang out with, or even a, disi a, a discipler, somebody that I might uh, go to for discipleship or what have you, no matter a pastor, that, that sense, if they only knew you, they wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. And that, and so that, caused me mm. to want to hide as much as I possibly could. And right. that was a theme for a long time. The second thing though, that relates to your question is if you give this, when I was in the LGBT space and hating what I was doing, and um, again, it'd been in a number, a, a couple of long-term relationships with guys, but then a lot of revolving door, very short term, I won't even dignify them to call them relationships. And, and just so broken, so miserable, but also dumping people the way I was being dumped as well. And it was just a lot of chaotic, chaotic stuff. But when I, when I felt like, wait a minute, maybe God, maybe there's something here that I've missed. Maybe um, the church has something for me. And, and that was even hard to come to that realization. Sure. Coming to that, then the, the thing, the second thing was, if you give this up, you are going to grow old and be alone for the rest of your life. Wow. That was a theme that absolutely wow. kept me in that world and in that space longer than I wanted to stay because I absolutely believe who is ever going to want to be with me? Who is, the church doesn't, no one in the church mm -hmm. is running to me with open arms. Uh, no one is pursuing me. And, mm -hmm. and so it was a really um, uh, challenging situation. So I understand where people feel like, look, I don't, how do I give the, how do I go back from here? These are my people. And, right. and so, but what I learned, what I've learned is first and foremost, the church is radically different. Again, they're, they're not even, most are not even close to Westboro Baptist, but even with right. the, with the church Praise that's more Lord. solid within the church, it's, it's my responsibility for the longest time. I, I lived in bitterness toward the church and toward Christian people because there is an expectation, an unconscious, but it's very clear it was there, expectation that somehow they're responsible for my spiritual welfare. Uh -huh. And so I was taking the control that I had wow. and I was, I was opting out and blaming everybody else, the bad experiences wow. that I'd had. And I'd had some bad experiences. I'd been shamed a lot, et cetera. And, um, and so, but the truth is we are each responsible for our own lives and for our spiritual well-being. Now, yes. the, 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 thankfully, the body of Christ, you know, the way that God desires for us to function, there can be a lot of accountability, a lot of loving, and I hate the word accountability, relational accountability. Um, there can be a lot of growth and love and care. I used the word affection earlier. All of that can, can be really good and healthy, 
but I'm still at the end of the day responsible for making decisions. So this connects back because I needed to start looking for churches, a church that was maybe different from some of the churches I grew up in. And I also needed to give them a chance. What I, what I also learned later, and, and this was shocking to me, like I didn't really learn it. I feel like the Lord just said it to me. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Is that there was a time when he made very clear to me, Gary, you are more judgmental toward others than they ever are toward you. And that, I mean, Ooh. I just wanted to be like, hold ah. on, you know, that cannot be right. I am this poor, weak, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, guy that keeps getting trampled on and all. And, but very quickly I had to realize, oh yeah, I size up a room in a nanosecond. I assume when I walk into a room and people are in the corner laughing and talking and, and they're having a conversation that somehow, um, this doesn't happen anymore, thank God, but I was devoured by this idea that people were talking about me or that, uh, and, and, and so I was projecting a, a judgment on everybody else who didn't even know I was there, you know, right. in some ways, right? And, and, or were just nice people, but I, I had such, I had received enough um, uh, negativity and rejection and those kinds of things, some abuse. I'd received enough of that that it doesn't take a lot to kind of project that onto the population or onto the church. And that's sure. what I was functioning in. So part of that, that does that, that willingness to, to leave the community that, uh, that I knew at that point I knew was not going to produce thriving in me and, and, and I was pretty miserable in, but yet at least it was a community, at, at least it yeah. felt an open door, but I had to risk going back to the church out of obedience to Jesus and believing that there could be good things there. And oh my goodness, you know, yes, there's been hurt along the way, but wow, um, has, has God blessed me and ministered to me through the body of Christ? I mean, he used the body of Christ to rescue my life. Come on. And you, you said earlier, you know, those two things, which man, that's, this is so important. And so I'm so thankful for your just your candor and, and how you're sharing all this. So the um, the idea that you're just going to end up alone, old, by yourself, everything that was an that was a lie. Because look at you now, you have I, absolutely family. Yes, right. And but yeah, I kind of joke, you know, I, I would like maybe a, a a little boredom. You know, I'd like a little alone time once in a while. And it, <laughs> right. any, you know, so no, I'm I. What a stinking lie. I mean, Satan is the father of lies. And that was one that I completely, and, and here's the thing, it, how could it not be true? I mean, right, of right, course right, it's right. true because all the evidence around me. It uh, feels would, true. Would, exactly, it looks true. Exactly. Man. Yeah. And you're, you're sitting there in that moment of your journey going, there is no other logical conclusion right. to my situation. Yeah. If I, if I say, okay, I'm not going to, because uh, you would call it now a temptation. I don't know if then you'd call it a temptation, but right. if I, I'm not going to give into the temptation to uh, pursue homosexual homosexuality, that means I'm going to be alone. Right. And that, because no one will want me, things like that. But then it took the Lord actually coming against your own judgment, if mm -hmm. I'm putting this together, to mm -hmm. break you into like even opening yourself to the church and saying, okay, maybe I am harshly judging these people and maybe they do have something for me. And on the other side of it, you have this beautiful family and mm -hmm. you're, I mean, are you happy? Are oh, you fulfilled? It, it's a great question. I, I'm, I, 
my boys and I now most weeks when I'm not traveling or whatever, we'll do um, three days of during the week. We do three days of Bible time together. They do their own times um, each each morning and I do, too. But they will do this together. And and we we just it's very simple. We just pick a book in the Bible and we've gone through a bunch of the smaller ones in the New Testament. But we'll just uh, read a chapter quietly to ourselves, the same chapter together. And uh, and then on on uh, one of those days, Melissa's with us as well. And as a family, we're just going through that, reading the chapter, and then we're each talking about like what stood out to us, what you know, what was it? And then the the thing that that can often be missed then is well, let's take it into application. Like, how does this apply to our lives? What does it look like for mm. your schoolwork? What does it look like in relationship to each other? And what does it look like? And and you know, where I've blown it as a dad and need to ask your forgiveness uh, for for one thing or another. And so, so the the beauty of that is really, I, I often um, am sitting in, in, a, in a listening prayer time with them. We'll take a, a few minutes and just listen for the Lord and, and ask him what he might have for us. And I, I'm, I'm so, in response to your question, this is the most poignant moment as I'm sitting there. I'm just over and over again, I'm just saying, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I, I can't believe what you've done. I'm, I can't believe that I get to be um, a father to these boys. I can't believe that I get to be so a husband good. to my wife. I can't believe I get to lead love and truth. I mean, how does it even, how, how did I become a pastor? <laughs> I mean, only the grace of God. Now, sure, life happens and things are hard in life. I mean, that's true for anybody. But Everybody's oh my goodness, I, yes, yeah. I wouldn't trade. And, and and I know this can sound, uh, that someone may hear this and and through the grid, their grid might, it might feel off to them. But honestly, I wouldn't trade my worst day today for my best day back in the day because there's mm. just, there's, I'm standing on solid ground. Life is mm. not perfect. I have lots of ways to grow in. Um, but man, I'm, I am so grateful and so, so joyful um, and just blown away by what God has done. There was another thing that, um, so good that you mentioned that, uh, oh, shoot. I, I, um, I think I It'll lost my. Back. Oh, they will at some point, I'm sure. So yeah, it'll come back. But yeah, so like, you're are you lying to yourself with this? Are you are you just deceiving yourself? Are you just forcing it right now? Or is there a real joy, a real fulfillment? Are you fighting off emptiness that you just don't feel like you can say on a live stream with me? And like, is that what's happening? Right. Right. No, great. Yeah, great question. And, serious and so question. that's a two, yeah, it is a serious question. And there's two parts to that. One is yes and no. Uh, the okay. truth is what I shared with you just now is absolutely true. Yes. But there was a, there in the beginning of the journey, it was the mm. hardest thing I've ever done. Wow. You know, it was lonely. It was, it was a, it was a challenge. I mean, when I was on this journey, uh, I, this was even before I was working at the church, but I was at the church. I was in a, in their counseling, doing counseling with them. I was in a small group and then eventually got into their men's group, which is the last place on earth I wanted to be. I thought <laughs> there ain't no way in hell I'm going to do, go into a Christian men's group. I mean, of all bunch things, of dudes. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of dudes, a bunch of redneck, you know, <laughs> crap kicking, you know, hunters <laughs> from upstate New York. And so, and just to parenthetically launch that forward a little bit, when I when I wound up at the church on staff, I I here I am leading fifty guys in in a um in a in a Bible study time or in a in a, in a book study at this point, and and my co leader is the guy that owned the local um gun and uh and bait shop, you know he and he's like six two, I'm five five, 
And, you know, and, and he loved me. I mean, I mean, you couldn't get any more redneck than this guy, right? And, <laughs> and so it was just so funny. I, I'm, I'm just sitting here and looking out over these 50 guys that, are, that know my story. I'm like, what are you even doing here? I mean, why right. are you? And, and, and here he is, you know, and here we are together leading this thing. Um, and, and, and we were talking about men's sexuality at that point and using it. It was just, it's just wow. so funny. But coming back to your, to your yeah. question, there was a, I remember um, a family at the church that I was at who had two boys as well. And this is before I was uh, uh, married to Melissa. And I think again, before I was on staff at the church, somewhere in there. And, um, but they lived quite a ways away from me. And I would go to their house a couple times a month and and we enjoyed each other, had dinner, would watch a movie and I would stay over at their house. Well, it was those kind of, um, and you know, get up the next day and go home. But it was those kind of events where it was more than um, just like meeting someone for coffee. That's, mm -hmm. that's always helpful. Meeting someone for dinner. Again, that's always helpful. But one of the things that Melissa and I have learned, I we have had way more years of our marriage. I would say there may have only been a couple of years where we've not had someone else living with our family. So right now mm. we have two housemates here uh, in our home. We've had as many as five people live with us um, for extended periods of time. One guy came from South America, from Colombia, to stay with us for, I don't know, nine or 10 months to go through uh, one of the programs that we that, that we do here. Um, and mm -hmm. and uh, called Living Waters, which is not ours, it's Desert Stream Ministries uh, mm -hmm. program, but it's, it's a really powerful inner healing program. But we've had... We really believe, and, and one of the best books on this is Rosaria Butterfield's The Gospel Comes to the House Key. I mean, mm. this reality that there are so many single individuals, I think this connects back to what I wanted to say before and I forgot about. The mm -hmm. I, I think the church needs to grow tremendously in its capacity to... to uh, to really be family to one another. So yes. we have the we have nuclear family and 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 I'm a firm believer that the nuclear family is like uh, the building block of society and and that when you have healthy families you tend to have healthy healthier societies certainly healthy healthy churches you can't have healthy churches unless you have healthy families and what does that look like and there's all kinds of things we can talk about there mm -hmm. but but also we live in a time when there are more single adults in the U.S. and there are married adults. Right. And, and we live in a time where, you know, massive numbers of children are being born into single family homes, single person homes. And, right. um, and so what is the church doing? What are we doing as the body of Christ to really be family to those who, who don't, who, maybe they have a biological family, but they're not in town or maybe they're in town, but it's a, but they've had a, but it's a crappy family. I mean, you know, we all have, sure. we all know those, right? So I think there's so many people, and this was true for me as well. There's so many people who are aching, lonely. And, and the first thing we're thinking is, I isn't, I want to go have sex and, and, and try to hit the best orgasm I've ever had. That's right. not what we're thinking. What we're thinking is we are freaking lonely. I, I don't, yeah. and it's, and it's devouring. It is eating my guts out. I don't know. I, I don't, I can't just be by myself all the time and show up at church on Sunday and, and maybe one other midweek thing and, oh, you're good to go. You know, off you go. We've right. got to do more than that. And so it's, it's, it was that, that family that did something more for me. There's other families that I've lived with as well that really modeled for me, like extended I, I, where I lived with them for several months. Um, mm. And, 
and got to see what a healthy environment, not perfect, but what a healthier environment looked like, what an open and and, and uh, honest environment looked like, what a loving and affectionate environment looked like. And so I've just been the recipient. Uh, I often say, Melissa and I have, when we're teaching and all of that, like I don't have anything new for anybody. I, this right. is a regurgitation of all the things that God has poured in. And yes, we have our own story, but sure. all this stuff is coming out of the scriptures or coming out of the experiences that God has blessed us with. And, and that family connection is so huge. So, so coming back, sorry, Caleb, to what you're asking. No, don't be earlier, sorry. This is wonderful. This is it. What you're asking earlier about, um, I mean, yes, for, for many years, I have been so grateful to, to be in the, um, in the churches that I've been in, in the, in the family that I have now. So grateful for my own family of origin. You know, my mom passed away in 2015, my dad in 2010, but what a rec what a wonderful reconciliation. They lived with me for many years before they passed away. And my dad passed away on hospice in our home and I got to be the one to take care of him. I, I had a sister and my brothers around, but mm -hmm. I wanted to really care for him. And there was a there'd been so much reconciliation. There was no lack of forgiveness between us. And it was just a, a beautiful time, a, a, an agonizing time of knowing he was stepping out of this life and into eternity at 88 years old. And my mm. mom was 91 when she passed away. So God was restoring all of that as well. But, but certainly before coming to the church that I finally found real community at, there was a long season of feeling like I was kind of in a, uh, a bit of a of a of a wasteland, and not knowing uh, how to find community exactly. There are some other churches that were pretty good churches as well. Uh, it, I mean, loving churches and and really knew my story and walked with me. But but it still felt like for a long time. First of all, this internal pull towards same sex attraction, and also, um, you know, I was just talking with somebody recently when about their own life, when we give up, whether it's pornography or um, sex with people, or it's a substance that we've been, you know, we've been ingesting to alter our mood or to, mm -hmm. to elevate our mood or do whatever, when we give that up, I mean, and, and there may be real desire and real gratitude that we've done that and that we're walking that out. But then the question is, what do I fill that with? Like, right. that was actually doing something for me. And right. so I have to find a way of going back to what was said earlier of meeting my legitimate needs instead of in an illegitimate way, I have to find a way of meeting those, those legitimate needs in a way that God really designed me to meet. Yes. And oh, by the way, here's the kicker is going out and having sex with somebody or uh, uh, drinking or taking in a substance. There's a quick um, hit to that, right? right. There's, a, it, it, there's a quick elevation of our mood or whatever, or just feels good to be with somebody or what have you. And it's an intense thing. We were never designed for that in that way. And so we've become accustomed to, to that payoff really quickly, which is why it develops into an addiction. Right. God's way is more like the slow cooker as opposed to the microwave. And that's right. one of the things that I had to adjust to was I, I want these wow. big experiences. I want, I mean, I, I want to feel the stuff that I feel when I'm with somebody and yet that isn't happening. Right. And I had to be willing to, to slow down. And this is where the body of Christ is so essential. Like being able to move in and stay with a, with a family who knew my story and we're not just like, oh yeah, you can stay here, but no, we want to walk with you. Like we want you here. Um, there was something about that that helped me stabilize while I, and, and, and poured into me 
while I was able to break off the craving for the fix, whatever the fix is. Um, right. Does that make right. sense? Yes. No, it's so good. And I, I think you're hitting on the core of what I believe is the real issue and the, the epidemic of loneliness. Uh, at least it's not, it might Absolutely. not be the, it might not be the impetus, but it is definitely the runway that the enemy uses yes. to bring in major destruction. And, you know, first isolation comes out of shame. So if you're ashamed of yourself, you're going to isolate, you're going to go, right. you're going to hide, right? Yeah. The community, when you're hidden, you know, it's easy to lie to you because you can't bring it into light and let mm -hmm. someone say, what? That doesn't, that doesn't make right. any sense. You know, like, that's not true. I don't think that about you. I don't know anyone who thinks that about you. It's like, yes. you're the only one yes. who thinks that about you. That's such a powerful exchange right there. That can break mm -hmm. a lot of, it's true. a lot of stuff. But if you're alone, it doesn't happen. And so that, this this is something that I've been burdened for the community, LGBT community for a few years now. I've had a lot of conversations. I'm not been like loud and proud out loud online about it, mm -hmm. but I've been taking this, as you said, the slow cooker approach of like getting to know people, hearing their stories, listening. Yes. And I think that a lot of the church would do really well to slow down yes. and listen and actually look someone in the eye and say toward other, tell me your story, the whole thing, yes. good, bad, and ugly. Tell me your story is such a great question. That is, I mean, that alone would at least break in on the loneliness. Like feeling seen um, isn't the same as feeling known, but it's the beginning, right? Yep. It's the beginning That's of true. being known. And when we're not known, we're lonely. You know, we can be full, we can be in a crowd of people and be absolutely lonely. Yes. Right? We can even and, seem to be the life of the party and be absolutely lonely. And that's very, that's typical. Yep. We've seen that and plenty of times, even with celebrities, things like that. So I think a lot, I think you're hitting on something that a lot of the church needs to slow down and go, wait a minute. First of all, uh, the the quick switch miracle thing, not the, not the narrative, uh, yep. not even in the full narrative of scripture. If you look at that, like God mm -hmm. takes a long time to act suddenly. You know what I mean? So let's it's just, so <laughs> the first thing love is, is patient. Mm -hmm. So, and I tell people all the time, patience doesn't wait long, it waits well. Yeah. And if you're waiting well, it doesn't matter how long you wait, mm -hmm. right? So that's the fruit of the spirit. The fruit, even that fruit of the spirit, it doesn't happen overnight. Fruit has to grow. So right. you got to remain planted. So I'm hearing you say from your story that you had to go through the process of discipleship that looked like, I feel like I'm lying to myself and this isn't going to work, but I'm going to keep trying anyway. I'm going to stand in community. I'm going to go to a men's group. I'm going to go places I don't want to go because I feel Jesus leading me there. And yep. now I think about a slow cooker versus the microwave, <laughs> like everything's better in a slow cooker. Everything tastes better on the other side <laughs> yes. than the microwave, but you have to wait for it. So I'm hearing you say that it's rich on the other side of the waiting and it's worth it. Yep. It's worth the yes. struggle of the wait. Absolutely. And I, I, as you say that, what flashes through my mind and, and has before, and I've communicated this a little bit, is it, it's kind of like I can either be out in a drift in the ocean with all of the waves and all the chaos, or I can be I I can be tied off to a piling that is really solid that is that's not going to go anywhere and and I I'm I, I'm experiencing some of the the waves and the turbulence and and some fear even in in, in that but yet I'm anchored to something and the the point here is that I'm I'm trusting that that God is good and mm -hmm. and and goodness doesn't mean my comfort but that God is good and that if I surrender to Him 
that somehow he is going to work something out for good, that that somehow he is, that, that something, if I trust him and I believe him, and frankly, what got me to this point is, Honestly, I was trying everything else but him. Right. And 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 what convinced me eventually to give him a shot, I mean, which is so ridiculous in some ways to say it that way, but was that this isn't working. I mean, this is, this is not what I signed up for. This is not bringing what felt like in the beginning as I said earlier euphoria and and oh I found my people and all that. I'm 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 dying on the vine here. Mm. And and so and also the other thing that was true is I kept expecting to for God to like pull out both barrels and let me have it, and and I every day I would drive in home judgment. From the bar. You mean? Oh, in judgment, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, every day I was driving home from the bar at two a.m. or whatever, going home, and I was there all the time because I was relationally starving. I just thought this is it. Tonight's the night. God's going to kill me. You know, the, and and this is wow. the stuff. And 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 anyone hearing that, you know, should be like, what? Uh, but this is this is how I had viewed God for so sure. many years of my life. Just waiting with a two by four of his head to crack me upside the head yeah. or over his shoulder yeah. to crack me upside the head. And, and so when I began though, to, to be like, well, wait a minute, where's, where is your judgment? I didn't confuse his lack of judgment for affirmation. I, I had no confusion about that. And, right. and again, I'd gone through that season of trying to blend the two. Um, but I was like, well, wait a minute. That's, that's really the thing that, that began to, where I began to ask the question, or had the thought, well, maybe God isn't who I thought he was. Maybe, maybe mm. he is kinder. Maybe he isn't just salivating, trying, you know, waiting for me to step out of line. And, and that was really the, the chink in this armor and this lie that surrounded me that began to open me up to the goodness of God over time. And so, um, entrusting in that, it was like that was the the anchor point. That was the mooring right. that I needed to go through the turbulent waters to get to a place where I was really locked in, you know, and I, I was I was safe at the pier. I was safe at the dock in a sense. And and that reminds me when Jesus says, you know, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, yeah. and I will give you rest. You know, take my yoke upon you. And right. and that idea of this yoke is this this yoke that goes over two oxen, like he's the lead and he invites us to come right up alongside of him and he's going to lead. I'm the younger one who he's going to lead and direct, but that yoke um, may feel, may in, in essence, you might look at that and I did it one time and thought, well, that's confining. I don't want that, you know, but instead it's actually freeing because he's the one that leads. He's the one that's bearing the bigger load and the greater weight by far. And, and, and there's also relationship and connection and all of that. So it, yes. it, it, the last thing I just want to um, say about that is in that same kind of analogy of the water and the, the, the pier, the piling, the dock, whatever, and the rope. The other thing that, that really I find frustrating is that I, and, and, and I would have been this person at one point, but when Christians, um, you know, are attempting to throw someone a lifeline and they throw out a rope, but the rope is not connected to anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, that like, it, okay, on. here's the rope, but there's no theology. There's no, the Bible, yeah, you know, it's kind of a buffet. It's not, it's, it's not this banquet. It's a buffet that you pick and choose what you want from. And, and when Christians who are not grounded in the truth of God's word and Christians who think, going back to what we were talking about earlier, Christians who think that they can actually, and they don't, they don't think of it in these terms, but they can actually be more merciful than God is. Right. Actually, you're throwing a, a lifeline that has no connection to anything to that person. 
Um, and and what winds up happening ultimately is that person uh, drifts off, or maybe the the Christian's holding on to the end of the rope, but they don't have anything that they're anchored to, and so they drift with that same person into a place that is outside of of God's truth and teaching. Yeah, and that's so dangerous, right? So you know, I'm thinking yeah. Galatians. Galatians says, "Restore if anyone's caught in a transgression, let yes. him restore it in the spirit of gentleness, but take." heed lest you yourself be tempted. That's what I hear you describing there, you know? Yes. And so, even going back to what you had said earlier about, you mentioned the first Corinthians 13 passage and that the first word of love is that it's, um, is patient. Is patient. The second is that it's kind, right? Kind. Love is patient and it's kind. Then we have a whole litany. Uh, those are all the positives, the two positives. Then it's, yeah. it's what love is not. But in verse six, it says, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. In the truth. And to me, there you have, the bumpers you have you have patience and kindness but then you also have where where it's like christians have just blown through verse 6 and totally ignored it that they think that again they can love and love well and love someone into the into the kingdom while they're rejoicing in unrighteousness and rejoicing with something that's not true right and i think we've tr attempted to redefine like you said earlier unrighteousness we're just trying yes. to make it an change the word and man the the fight there i think the tension is people are like that word unrighteous it's been used so harshly i even saw a clip maybe you saw it about this this pastor i don't remember where she's like um uh we we just read a passage from saint paul but if you notice we left out a part because you know those those words have been used to demean and defend and hurt people mm. so we're not going to read that part you know and paul was kind of a jerk that she literally said that and she's wow. a pastor from the pulpit. I'm like, yep. Who are you? Who do you right. think you are? Right. To pull away, say, here, here is what's um ordained by the spirit, and here's what's not from the holy writ of God. I'm yes. Like, the lack of fear of the Lord and those type of things is like crazy. And and big and Jesus is the kindest person you'll ever meet. Right. He's the most patient person you'll ever meet. So there's that this love and truth. There's there's the the reality of both. And we have to be okay with that tension. I want to mention your book um here really quickly. I have a link I'm gonna put in the mm, description yep. here. Um, but am I gay coming out of cultural Christianity, LGBTQ plus identity identity into authentic authentic faith? What would you say about this for someone who is maybe listening and they have same sex attraction or or they're struggling with it, or maybe they're not struggling with it. And also, I want to jump in here and turn a corner here to start. I feel like we, just in my spirit, we should talk about, like, speak to the parents. Because mm -hmm. you just mentioned there's so many young yes. people. So in a minute, I want to jump in there. But what would you say about this book? Um, what is well, the, the first thing I would say is it's a ridiculously long subtitle. I admit that. Uh, <laughs> but I really, I really wanted to somehow, I, the book is really about, it's not just about coming out of LGBT. I mean, Right. That is part of it, but it is first and foremost, I needed to come out of cultural Christianity as much as I needed to come out of confusion in my identity. And, and when I Whoa. say that, uh, the, the, and it wasn't that I wasn't around Christians. It's not that I wasn't, that I wasn't in churches that were preaching the gospel, but, but embedded in 
in many churches, I think there are some churches that are completely off in the weeds, but in, embedded in most churches is truth that's being taught. But again, in this, the, one of the dangers of allowing language to shift is that the words are, the same word is used, but has different um, understandings or, or exactly. not, it doesn't have different meanings, it has different understandings. And, and so you're hearing the word gospel, you're hearing the word grace, you know, you're hearing all of these things and yet it's being interpreted through a different lens. And so I, again, I needed to come out of that um, out of my own cultural Christianity, which was a more of a works-based, if I do such and such, even though I knew intellectually that wasn't true, but if I do such and such th that somehow um, God's going to come through or whatever. And, and I was, I was lost. I was in Bible college as, as one who I would say didn't, didn't know Jesus. Uh, and, and so There's I needed to come out of that as much as the other. So anyway, that's why it's such a long um, subtitle. No, it's great. It's great. Coming out of cultural Christianity, even that would probably sound offensive to some. Oh, um, yeah. And not the LGBT <laughs> world. That would sound offensive to a lot of people in the church, right? So, you're just being offensive to every. You're an equal opportunity offender here. Yeah, so. I'm not trying to be, but yes, it, it's, Dude, it's true. I, I say that all the time. I said, I honestly am never trying to be offensive. It just happens all the time. Yes, right, <laughs> so right. Funny. Anyway, so wonderful. Everyone should go check that out on Amazon. You can also go to loveandtruthnetwork.com. If you're just logging in here. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I did. I did include. So the the book is set up in in such a way that the first chapter of the book is is a little bit of my mom and dad's story together because mm. I'm a I'm a big believer that we don't just need to believe truth and move forward. That's very important. That's a part of it. But we also need to um, uh, allow the Lord and some trusted others especially when we've had trauma in, in our lives and background or some pretty significant wounding, which frankly, who hasn't had some pretty significant wounding, sure. but to go back it, so many times as Christians, we want to misapply Paul's words about forgetting what lies behind and pressing on to what lies ahead. He's talking about his accomplishments there. Yes. And we just want to kind of bury all of our stuff and act like, Oh, it's all gone. Uh, but the truth is when it leaks out, on everybody around you, um, you know, your your husband or wife or friends or mom and dad or whatever, children will tell you, um, no, there's some unhealed stuff there. There's so to go back and 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 really work through some of that stuff so that we can resolve issues. Uh, uh, that's an that's an important part of um, the book, actually. So I, I talk about my mom and dad's history to give a sense of what they brought into their family and into their parenting. And then I talk about the next four chapters have to do with uh, chapters two through five with stages of development um, uh, in children, childhood stages of development. And I talk about my story in relationship to those stages and what we need in those stages that are so important. And then I go on from there and just kind of talk, so share my story up to the point of coming to genuine faith in Christ. So, uh, so wow. I think there's in there, I think there are some things that would be helpful for parents, certainly helpful for, for pastors and leaders. And as well as, um, you know, hopefully uh, my greatest hope is that strugglers, uh, the people struggling with this are curious about Jesus, um, as maybe a, a gay identified man or woman or, you know, whatever, or just someone who's far from Jesus, that they could read this and feel like, oh, wow, like I can relate to a lot of what you're talking about. Our story may be very different, but I can relate to some of what you're feeling or experiencing or some of those um, foundational issues. I lived it out in a very different way, but I can connect with some of that. So, so good. And I, I love that you're talking about that because I, and I do want to talk to parents um, in just a minute here, yeah. turning the corner. But I personally, again, like I said earlier, I've spent a lot of time listening over mm -hmm. the last few years. I've been just hearing people. And I 
and I'm, I might sound like one of those ignorant bigots right now, whatever, to some hearers, but I really am not that person. If you know me, you know that's not true. But I have not found anyone who doesn't have major dysfunction in their family or a major trauma in their childhood who's, uh, you know, experiences. Like, it seems to me the common denominator is neglect or trauma in the childhood. And that's that. I'm not trying to diagnose anything. I'm just observing. Right. And I can't find anyone who would say, oh, no, my my father loved me. I had ton, a ton of affection for me. And my mother was there. She was present. We were together. We talked through things. I can't find anyone with that storyline and living in a place of sexual brokenness, heterosexual or homosexual. I'm not talking right. about just homosexual. Right. I'm saying any sexual, it seems like our identity and you probably are more well more versed in this. You just hit on it. So in your book, probably you explain it more, but maybe you can explain some now. It seems like from my observation, our identity being formed <clears throat> in the family dynamic in a healthy way actually is the foundation for our sexuality. And it it actually becomes a like a foundation or if a or a filter for how we relate in our intimate relationships with a spouse or things like that down the road. Is mm -hmm. there a, is there a correlation here? Am I making that up? Am I sounding like a ignorant person? I don't know. But I, I, no, I I don't think so at all. I I very much agree with you. And of course, you know the the common phrase and and rightly so that correlation does is doesn't indicate causation, right? Sure. So, but but also the idea that that I would agree with you. I mean, I've had hundreds and hundreds of conversations through through the last 20 years, well, even more than that, with people who have been in the LGBT space, but also is a pastor who is overseeing our counseling ministry and counseling other, uh, right. doing lay pastoral counseling. Certainly, and that was mostly dealing with um, heterosexual brokenness or marital issues. And, and so, yeah, I mean, trauma, uh, th there's, whether it's um, rejection in childhood, um, chronic neglect, yeah, that was chronic my older brother. Is a big one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, that chronic neglect is something that is harder uh, for people to to put their finger on because it's not like somebody hit you with a bat or or whatever the dad <laughs> punched you in the face or something. Uh, but but that chronic neglect tends to deaden our emotions and tends to we just kind of learn to detach and 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 it's so familiar that we can't look back at a time necessarily where. Oh, like I just, it just was this gradual process of, of detachment. And now as an adult, I don't know how to meaningfully form a, a deep emotional bond with my wife or with my husband. We can have sex right. and that's all great. I mean, maybe that's great. Maybe it's not, but we can do that kind of stuff. And so I think, oh, well, I can, intimacy is not a problem, but yeah, but intimacy is, that's the tip of the iceberg, the, right. the deeper uh, part of the iceberg, the bigger part of the iceberg is what's underneath, and that's the emotional intimacy. And yes. so many of us have issues with that. And that I'm a firm, I absolutely believe that our emotional intimacy issues go absolutely go back into our childhood and and some other experiences that have happened maybe in more recent adult years too. But the um, and that so there's the the uh, the rejection, the neglect, the the abandonment also, yep. and then outright abuse, right? And abuse yeah. can take on a variety of forms, whether that's sexual abuse, uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse, and and so the reality I often say is none of us get out of childhood unscathed, mm -hmm. and some of us have really good homes and really great parents, but we none of us have perfect parents, obviously, and none of us are perfect children uh, as well. But but in the in the reality of that, what I believe to be true is that we could we all benefit by getting time together um, in the body of Christ 
uh, groups that are being really intentional, men's groups, women's groups, and, and I'm not talking about your typical men's group. I'm talking about I'm talking about ones that are willing to go deep, willing to really yeah. be vulnerable, willing to listen to Jesus for Jesus on one another's behalf and pray for each other that you might be healed, James 5, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that space, there there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for healing. But, but you're right. I think that so much that connects with sexual brokenness, the vast majority of it, I'm not saying every event, but the vast sure. majority of it um, that I've ever heard of connects with uh, trauma or brokenness, significant brokenness. I remember talking with a, a friend of mine who was a gay activist, you know, years and years ago. And, and since then he, he came to Jesus and, and, you know, and, and now isn't in that camp anymore. But uh, he re- he was recalling a time that he was um, doing some some legal work or not legal work, um, some um, uh, some work, legislative work, basically on the Hill and pushing uh, the, the LGBT agenda. And afterward, mm-hmm. he and a buddy of his were sitting at a bar and they were having a couple of drinks and and something had been brought up in some of their conversation that or, or it, anti rejecting the idea that our histories have anything to do with uh, we're, we're born gay nothing right. in terms of nurture ha- impacts that whatsoever and after a couple of drinks my friend now was saying back then they were talking and and his buddy looked over at him and said i know that we say that our history has nothing to do with how we feel or what we do but do you know anybody uh, any other gay guys that have a good relationship with their father i mean there's this moment and he's like no, I really don't, you know, and, and there's this kind of confession or this moment of truth. Now, I know that there are guys who are, are gay identified who, who don't, you know, haven't had some trauma with their dad or whatever, but, but here's the key thing that oftentimes, two key things that we oftentimes don't consider. One is that, um, our, our way of perceiving we often say that perception is everything. So Mm. moms and dads can be knocking themselves out to love a child according to the only way that they know how to. And and like their heart is really, they they have a lot of love that's overflowing. Now, there are homes where that doesn't happen. There are homes where you have a narcissistic parent who only is thinking about him or herself or both, Mm -hmm. and they're very unstable. And yeah, those those are around. And sadly, those are growing, I think. But most in most cases, moms and dads love their kids, and but but the way they're loving their child is missing that child's what, love language or whatever. It's missing right. that child's understanding, and so the child is making decisions and having thoughts about themselves and others. In this case, mom and dad and other, you know, adult adults in their home or whatever, uh, or or siblings, um, as well as God based on their perception and how they relate to it. So that's really key, absolutely key. It's not just the events that happens, it's more importantly how we relate to it. Secondly, um, the idea that, um, that, that this is purely inborn, and I can remember all the way back to what, four? Three, maybe? Well, there's, there's a couple of years um, after being born where, and there's, there's studies out in understanding, I mentioned this in my book now, that there's a lot that goes on um, in, in a baby's life in the womb, uh, mm. even before being born, where they're picking up on, um, and, and it's not this conscious, this, this um, intellectual thing that they can look back and remember, but right. where a baby does perceive things happening in the outside world, outside of mom. And, and if it's anger, if there's a lot of fighting going on, if there's like, they can pick up on that kind of emotion. Mm-hmm. And, and so you've got that, but then you also have the two or three or in, even bumping four years 
where all of this development is happening in a child's life, maybe some of the most important developmental stage. And they're, they're already developing a worldview. They're already developing ideas and opinions about themselves. Do they have value when I cry right. or my needs met, et cetera. All of this is happening pre-memory. And, and, and yet it's so easy to go back and say, well, for as long as I remember, I felt this way. And so therefore I was born this way. And I just right. don't think that even Dr. Lisa Diamond, who's a lesbian researcher, um, and, and would totally hate this whole conversation, probably. I, I love listening to her. She's actually a really good teacher. Um, but but she's one of the foremost um, uh, researchers on sexual fluidity. And again, she's absolutely part of the LGBT community, totally against any, any kind of, um, you know, she doesn't believe that there's any connection of to homosexuality and morality or any of that. She's not a believer. Mm. But her the, the point that she comes out with, I mean, bless her, is she said flat out, like, we have got to stop saying that, oh, I'm born this way, I can't help it, because the research shows that's not true. There's a mm. lot more sexual fluidity, uh, and she was surprised by the results when she first got into this, but she's been doing this for uh, years and years and years now and looking at right. massive sample sizes. So even somebody in the LGBT community is saying, yeah, no, the born this way idea and I can't change is actually not true. The The facts don't don't bear that out. Right. Wow. So that, thank you. That's a very informed uh, version of what I was observing. And that's, it's very helpful. And none of that oh, I'm is... sorry, Caleb, can I say one other? I, I'm Please. sorry to interrupt you. No. The other thing that I, that I just, I agree with you about the family um, unit, the nuclear family being so either stabilizing or destabilizing for kids. Uh, but I think to go to drill down a little bit more, I think one of the most destabilizing issues that we're seeing throughout society in the West for sure um, is is fatherlessness. Yes. And so I think that I, I believe and I can't I can't point to a scripture, um, but I believe that dads have a I do clearly um, from Genesis 1, 26 and 27, see that God put his in, image into us as male and female. Mm -hmm. And 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 certainly there are major differences between masculinity and femininity, but part of us living as masculine beings and feminine beings is living out the image of God that is in us of equal value, but I believe of, of different expressions yes. of the image of God. And, and that oneness comes together in, in even outside of marriage, but even when brothers and sisters are yes. blessing the goodness in the other and, and wanting to, to strengthen and, and stabilize and see the other excel. And so often what we're seeing is the opposite, even in the church of this, this devouring or objectifying sexually or romantically um, uh, and, and turning the person into something to meet my needs uh, or even feeling that even if this doesn't come out um, verbally, feeling um, uh, challenged by the other person or inadequate in some way. And so therefore king of the hill, I have to not, I have to knock right. you down. So I can, you know, all that stuff is going on, but, um, and I think we need to be aware of it and make some massive changes there. But when it comes to fathers, I think that fathers have a particular voice and call by God to pass on to their sons and daughters, not just their boys, but their daughters too, the good of their identity as image bearers in their masculinity and in their femininity. And in the in a father's either abusiveness in the home or his passivity, then we have we don't we need salient fathers that are both strong and gentle and yes. can communicate to a child both verbally and by proximity of their of their um, hugs and warmth and tenderness and interest, that it's good to be them and it's good to be who they are as boys or girls made in the image of God. 
So important. Thank you. Please interrupt me as often as possible. Mm-hmm. That is so important. The the fatherhood, um, uh, uh, the representation of the father uh, yes. is the vital thing. And, you know, you said you can't point to a scripture, but we can point to an, an obvious paradigm of seed and soil, right? Yes. Seed, sperm, and womb. Like yep. women can cultivate and like propagate, but only after they've been given something. So yes. the DNA is tracked through the father. So yes. identity comes through the dad. Yes. 100%. So that, that's great. I love that. And then the other, another piece that I think lends itself to this understanding is that God, Adam is the one who named the animals, yes. like he gave them their name. And, yes. and so I think you see that Identity. even lived out. hundred percent, hundred percent. Sorry. No, it's so important. So important. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's no, awesome. I, no. I loved what you said. I'm going to, no, I'm going to steal that. I'll give you credit, but yes. No, don't even great. give me credit. <laughs> don't even do it. No, um, no, it's so important. So I, I do, I have this um, clear uh, conviction to be the best dad possible. I have mm-hmm. my two boys. Uh, one of my pastors once uh, challenged me because I'm a very, I'm a strong visionary leader. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I can, I'm, my team calls me the wordsmith. I can put it in words, you know, yep. I can, I can do it. Um, and he challenged me once. He's like, Caleb, I want you to have a strong or just as strong or stronger vision for your family than you do for your church. Yeah. And I was like, so good. So I got one, you know, so we have the hires away. I preach it to my boys. I hold them Mm. to it. We, you know, I'm, I'm discipling them first. You know what I mean? Yes, that's right. That's the only way to change the world, right? Is to, to do that. So we need it. And what would you say to fair, to maybe parents who are near who I can just, I don't know. I have a high, I have, I think my empathy level is rising or something um, from the Lord by the spirit because I not, I wasn't always this way, but I, even as I do these podcasts, I can like feel the listener going, Oh, I failed as a dad yeah, or, Oh my God, I failed right. as a mom. And like, what would you say mm-hmm. to maybe some parents who are listening and their, their children are, are confused or they're, they're going through gender confusion or they're entertaining, uh, you know, multiple forms of sexuality or identification. Yep. I mean, what is your mainline message to them? And, and what is the, you know, you feel the Lord saying to them in this hour, you're very aware of the landscape. So, yes. Well, I, so I'll have to say a few things about that. One is in this Living yeah. Waters program that I talked about earlier that Andy Kamiski and Desert Stream produces in that program that we run, it's a 20 week inner healing program. And many times we have young people, uh, you know, 20, 30 year olds in that, I say young people, adults, but 20 or 30 year olds, but often we'll have um, 40, 50, 60 year olds in, in it as well, kind of a mixture and whenever we're going into a time of prayer for an individual, um, and, and individuals are prayed for in their groups and their gender-specific groups, and it's it's very difficult for moms and dads to to go back to their own needs as a child mm. and what wasn't met, because in the teaching that came up that was meant to help them get back there in the reading that they had for the week before that was meant to help them to get back there to that particular topic, like maybe a mother wound one chapter, father wound another chapter. All they can think of is how they as a mom or dad have wounded their child. And so um, what that what that brings me to, the, the, uh, the example I think that is helpful whenever we fly, we are given safety instructions that none of us pay any attention to anymore, but they're given these safety instructions. And one of the, they, they always end with, you know, if the, if the mask falls from the, from the cabin or whatever, and you need oxygen, put your own mask on first 
and then um, help you know your child or whoever is with you and and but get it on yourself first and so often like in living waters for example we always have to direct have to have to try to guide and and it's a it can be really hard to do but all you want to focus on is your failures as a mom or a dad or or you're focusing on your child but the truth is you can't do anything about that right now here what you need to do is deal with the trauma or the the wounds of your own life that still are leaking out that are still with you um and invite Jesus into that space so that and that's kind of putting the mask on yourself first and get the getting the healing that you yeah. need first so that you can be more stable and more present to your child's needs whether that child is a young child uh, a teenager or is an adult child you still need the best thing you can do for that child is to um is to, is to find the healing that you yourself need and mm. and so that feels counterintuitive because as a mom or a dad we just want to go and rescue our kid right. so that's that's one thing i'd say first the second thing is i often talk to moms and dads i i'm talking to mom and, moms and dads all the time through our ministry reaching out to us and what i find is there tends to be um moms and dads tend to be in in a place where they are either feeling like I did nothing wrong, which is the minority, but I do get that. Like, I don't, sure. I don't understand how that has happened. I had nothing, I did nothing. Or it's, it's one, one of the parents feel that way. Sometimes the dad feels that way. The mom is over identification, over identifying right. with all the things she did wrong. And, um, but, and, and then there are the, but the vast majority are like, oh my God, I screwed everything up. It's all my mm. fault. And so neither of those extremes are are helpful. And I, I think the enemy loves to get us into those extremes. And we don't even realize we're kind of playing into his hand when we go down that road. And I think, so first of all, I'd say when you hear news about something that like, whether your child comes home and says they're transgender and they've been on testosterone or testosterone or estrogen or whatever the case is, or they're moving in that direction or they're gay or they're, and you hear that for the first time, like as a, as a, Christian, an evangelical Christian, that is probably going to rock your world. As a mom or dad, that's going to rock your world. And, and so there's all kinds of emotion that's going to come up. First of all, feel the emotion, um, and, but try mm -hmm. to contain your response, right? You, you want to still communicate your love for that child, um, that, that you want to walk with them in this, uh, that, that whatever you can do to, um, uh, to, to continue to be there for them, you want to do that. Now, that doesn't mean um, agreeing with what they're deciding, but still loving okay. them and walking with them. But you as a mom or a dad are going to have massive emotions coming up. And what the enemy wants to do is use that as a wedge to split you apart as a mom or a dad. Yeah. And what God wants to do is to use the pain of this to draw you closer together. There was a a book that I was given year many, many years ago. And it was, I don't even know who gave it to me now, but it was called um, Don't Waste Your Sorrows by Paul Bilheimer. It's an old book. And, and I thought, you know, it's kind of like you open it up as a gift and you're like, don't waste your, well, thank you, you know? And I just sort of, sort of set it on the shelf and, uh, mm -hmm. and thought, hopefully I'll never need to read that. And, right. and then when I, was, when I was going through a divorce from my first wife, mm -hmm. the separation, first of all, and I didn't want that. I was dying for reconciliation and, yep. and praying and praying for God to do that. I saw that book on the shelf and I pulled it out and it just became, along with the scriptures and prayer, it just became a lifeline for me. And, mm -hmm. and so I would encourage you, don't waste your sorrows, get the book. It's actually really excellent. My point in that is don't just try to get through this news to some kind of a, a normal on the other side. God has something for you as a mom and a dad 
mm. in this that that can propel you in your spiritual life, can connect, can propel you in your connection with God and in your involvement in the body of Christ in a way that without this pain, um, more than likely wouldn't happen. And so mm -hmm. don't waste that opportunity. And then what I would say is often moms and dads can kind of vacillate between those two perspectives of I've done nothing wrong to, oh my gosh, it's all my fault. What I right. encourage parents to do is, is get before God as individual, you know, as a mom or a dad or together, get before the Lord and 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 ask him to reveal ways, and here's the language I think it's helpful, ways that I've contributed to brokenness in my child. The truth is you're not responsible. My parents were not responsible for the decisions that I made, but right. did they make contributions into my life that made it easier to either reject them or reject the scriptures? Yeah, they did. And, yeah. um, but, I think it's so important as moms and dads that that you get with the Lord, that you own with the Lord what you need to ask forgiveness for. There probably are things, good grief. It's impossible to not to not fail as a mom or a dad. Right. But don't take ownership of the whole thing. The enemy wants to throw everything at you. God is going to bring a few things up um, that that at the right time you could bring up to your son or daughter and say, you know what? I really feel like I blew it here. And I don't think I've ever asked your forgiveness. Now, maybe you have, but it's a good thing to come back. And so, so get good. to a place where you're cleaned up, where you've asked for forgiveness from God and from others. And even though this is a, is a grief to you, you're not laboring under the sense of, oh my gosh, it's all my fault. Or you're defensively saying, I did nothing wrong. That's not helpful either. Right. So good. And um, if you, is this a good place right here? Uh, if somebody wants sure. maybe to talk um, yeah. about these things or other things, can you just explain that opportunity? Yeah. So in the original, um, on the on the front page, you'll see where, um, which you saw earlier, uh, churches and um, uh, friends and family strugglers. Yep. So if you click one of those three um, places, you'll see on any of those landing pages that there's an opportunity for a coaching you know, call with me. Uh, we we don't uh, we use a, a a video you know program or phone call. You can set that up. You can just go on on there and find a spot on my calendar uh, that corresponds with something that you can do. And I'm more than happy to have an initial um, hour long, you know, 45 minutes, whatever uh, session of of kind of listening. And if I can be helpful in some guidance. Again, I'm not a licensed counselor. I don't purport to do any of that. But just some pastoral care and some prayer and and maybe making some suggestions on what I found to be helpful, et cetera. So again, whether it's a pastor needing help and support with himself and his own right. issues or getting more equipped, or it's a mom or a dad, or it's a struggler, um, all three are welcome to reach out to us. That's wonderful. So loveandtruthnetwork.com, you can go there, click get resources, and you can have a free hour-long conversation, private conversation with Gary. That's so wonderful that you do that. That's beautiful. I think that's amazing. Uh, and I just want to open it up to, as we kind of roll it down here, downhill here, last few minutes, if anyone, there's a few people watching live. If you have a question for Gary uh, right now, uh, he he's totally open to uh, look at that. He He's not committing to answering every question, but we will read your question, um, <laughs> at least in our heads, and we'll see. But uh, we just, just want to give that a chance for everybody here. Sure. So if you have a question, go ahead and throw it in the comments. Um, and uh, this is an obviously a very sensitive subject, so maybe you feel like you can't ask on here, and that's where we would say, please, uh, if you're struggling, if you're if you're confused, if you're a pastor, if you're a parent, if you're whoever you are, if you um, 
you have this opportunity to talk to, talk to Gary by one on one with love and truth network.com. So, as far as like as people maybe put in a question or not, yep. As far as Gary, if you had one message to, to give, one thing to say, and only a few minutes to say it, and then yep. you were going to be <clears throat> transported to heaven, you're going to graduate into the cloud, you know, what yep. would it be? What would that one thing be? It could be about what we've been talking about. It could be don't, yep. about anything, but I just like asking this question. Well, like, there was a, um, a thought that I'd had earlier I was going to mention, and I forgot great. about it, and then it came back up again, and then you asked this question. So uh, one of the things that I would say is that if you're involved in a church right now, and I talk to people all the time who are in churches and they don't feel like they trust enough to be able to bring this, uh, their, right. their issue or struggle to the, to the front, whatever it is. And uh, I hear that all the time. And so I would say, first and foremost, we need to be in churches where we can um, uh, have the confidence of confidentiality. And, mm -hmm. and but I think it's it's on us to reach out and, and explore whether or not a lot of times we make assumptions and out of our shame um we believe that it's not safe when in fact it actually is but i think mm -hmm. we should reach out and have a conversation uh with our pastor or or someone on leadership about this now i was i was just at a um at a conference and i was at my table and someone came up to me after doing this full day conference and just said hey i hear what you're saying about vulnerability in james 5 16 confessing our sins to one another praying for each other we might be healed etc but what do you do when when you've shared your you went to the pastor took the risk and then you yeah. find out from somebody from a from someone else from someone else that his wife actually told this other woman in the church about all of the stuff that you talked to the pastor mm -hmm. about i'm like oh you know so i mean and i i wrote about that in the last newsletter and i wrote on gossip which is an abomination to god by the way absolutely um so and it's made the the church so untrustworthy when people define gossip in that. Define it for us, because people well, don't know what that word is. Define yeah, it. Gossip is essentially sticking your nose into something that that you're neither a part of the problem in nor part of the solution. Boom. And and so and 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 just spreading, you know, spreading um, strife amongst the brethren. Uh, God says in in Proverbs six that that's an abomination to him, and he hates abomination. it. Abomination. So yeah, abomination is usually thought of in the LGBT space from the scriptures, right. but God God gets upset about a whole lot of things, and gossip is one of them. So that's right. Um, the what i would say is it's so important to don't just keep sitting in the same space uh yeah. and and not doing anything with the help and the support that you need go and 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 talk to the pastor one of the first things i'd be talking with the pastor about is first and foremost is this a confidential conversation can right. i trust i've heard of situations can i trust that you're not going back and talking with your wife, that you're not talking with other people on, unless, and understanding too, if I am planning harm to myself or harm yep. to somebody else or harm to a child, well, that breaks confidentiality and it should. But outside of that, anything I, sh I share should be confidential. And and if if he agrees to that or she agrees to that, uh, and then I, I think you have to take the risk in right. believing that that's true. And, but I think that conversation is very important. Now, if it turns out that, uh, for whatever reason, you're absolutely convinced, or you've heard from others that that the pastor, you know, is going to blow up over sexual issues or or homosexuality, or that they're not trustworthy, mm. and there's been evidence of gossip, and it's never been addressed, or whatever the case. I would say get to a different church. I mean, if, yes. if there's real evidence of that, go to a different church. And here's what I was thinking earlier as well: if you find um, real connection to a church community that is walking out 
the gospel and walking with others who are really broken. When I lived in Chicago, this is what I mean. When I lived in Chicago, I had traveled back to my hometown. I started going to a church that I kept hearing good gossip about, um, mm -hmm. about walking with really broken people. And I went to that church a few times and I'm like, wait a minute, this is, this is a different kind of church. I've been in lots of good churches, but this is different. I emailed the pastor. I told him about my my social life devolving into adult bookstores and gay bars and anonymous sexual encounters. I hated what I was doing, but I was desperate to, to I, I just felt addicted and I was desperate to find help. His response to me is, Gary, if you want to move back here, we'll walk with you. Well, mm. I couldn't get back there fast enough. And, and this was the church that I found so much help in, later went on staff with for 12 years, never dreamt that wow. was even a thing. So here's my point. Whatever it takes, make sure that the that this the the community that you're in right now that you don't just assume they're not safe because you've never opened up to anybody. Find out if in fact you they they could be a safe community, um, and they know you on some level, not on every level, but could they be a safe community? If you determine that they are not, and you're sure of that then find a different church, even if that means you might need to move somewhere. It's important yeah. enough to be willing to pick up and relocate. Your spiritual life is more important than your career or anything else. Come so um, that's my belief. Um, and and so that that was is the Great. advice. Whatever you need to do to get spiritually healthy, guard against spiritual abuse, guard against jumping into a church situation uh, that you haven't fully explored, um, and, and, and built some connections in, uh, at least on some level. Um, but I would be, I, I think it was critical that I left Chicago and, and, and entered a new space in this wow. kind of church dynamic. Yeah. So good. I think there's so much wisdom in that and people don't give enough credit to their spiritual life as the center of their person, but it is, it really is. And so I love that. That's such a good answer. And, um, I really, I'm really thankful that you you spent some time with me today, Gary. I feel like I know you better. I mean, we've been around each other a lot, but on right. online, not in. I don't. Were you at the the seat, the in person table last year? I, in, no, I was at the retreat. Um, I, that's the one I October. didn't make. Yeah, I know that was disappointing. <laughs> I was I, I hated missing you at the the last one. So we've been yeah. going to the, the I know. other things, but yeah. yeah, my it's my anniversary. It's like it's fallen on it every year, yes. and so. Yes. We, we probably will one of these years if it follows. Like, that'll right. be what How old are your boys, from. by the way, Caleb? Six and four. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Judah and Shiloh. So very cool. uh, uh, real ages. And we're, um, this is our, this is not like an uh, official announcement, I guess. But I mean, we've been saying it publicly that we are actually pregnant with number three. Wow, so we're excited awesome. about that. So yeah, we're. Congratulations. Yeah. Young family, excited and trying to keep the the right things in the right place, yes. you know, but it's also so, um, such a burden on my life and in my heart to create a healthy spiritual community. And I love yes. how you even said like, pick up and move if you got to, like do what mm -hmm. you got to do. Uh, and you know, don't do that flippantly, do that with right. prayer, do that with yes. real research, do that. Yes. You know, that church has a lot of single people. I'm moving. Uh, but no, don't do that. But have a, a real reason. But man, make it a priority and make it a make it something that you you invest in for sure. So, Gary, I'm, again, really thankful for you. I just want to put it up on the screen one more time. Um, the Love and Truth Network, because I think this is amazing. If you are here, if you're listening, you can get an hour of free coaching. Gary, are you paying me? Are you paying me anything, Gary? 
No, nope, I'm not. No, nope. I mean, he's not. He didn't even ask me to do this. I'm just. Th- I just think it's that awesome. So you can get this. You can connect with Gary. Uh, check out his book, things like that, and you know, talk to somebody who's not just uh, got a theological position, which I I appreciate those positions, yes. but an experiential position, and who I'm just for whatever it's worth, I'm advocating for and saying. I've seen the compassion of Jesus in your life, and I've seen the way I just see Jesus in your eyes when you speak, and so I'm grateful. That's what I'm looking for. I want to see Jesus. Like I can hear a lot of right things, but I want to see Jesus in somebody's eyes. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. So I'm really grateful for you, Gary, and um, would love to hear some some like what's your favorite food? Favorite food? Go. Oh, what is it? Seriously? All right. Yes. Uh, just because. Oh, shoot. Come on, I, I, I'm our main cook and I, I cook all kinds of things. So I, okay. it's hard for me to nail it down to one particular thing. I like a whole variety of stuff. I get that. I'm a musician. People say, what's your favorite song? I'm like, it's not fair. It's just not yeah, fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. There like, you go. Even, are you going like, okay, Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles or Helter Skelter by the Beatles? <laughs> or like, they're it's just the Beatles. They have, have a two-hour conversation here. All right. So I didn't know that about you. You're a chef. What is your um, number one like bucket list item you're going for? For like you want something you're hoping to do in your life, jump out of an airplane, things like that that you haven't done yet. One of them, and I, I'm not a big fan of uh, heights. I, my youngest son would love; he would love to do that. I'm not doing that, but he would love to do a hot air balloon uh, ride. And so I'm thinking cool. before long, he and I will be doing that. So that'd be one thing. I also went to Nepal in 2019 by myself. I'm like, what was I thinking? But I really want to get back there again um, and just do some, uh, some work in I have a friend, uh, Nepali, who's planted, he and his dad have planted 36 churches in Western Nepal. And and the message that I share was as relevant there in one of the most sex trafficked countries in the world. And um, so, yeah, I've just developed a tight bond um, with that, uh, with those pastors over there. I love Maybe it. And that's great. And one last, I meant to say this earlier, if you want to donate to the ministry, uh, this is how you can support Gary. Uh, if you've appreciated this, if you're listening uh, later on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that, you just love truthnetwork.com and click donate. Uh, and you can be a part of this amazing, compassion-filled, love-focused, truth-centered network. Uh, and so I'm just thankful for people like you, Gary. I'm thankful that you would take the time to come on. And I hope some people listening will see the vision, see your heart and get behind you and not only benefit from your ministry, but also bless your ministry into uh, the stratosphere because we need well, more of this. Yeah, I so appreciate that, Caleb. And the thing is, and you mentioned the donation thing. Uh, what I would I would love, um, you know, it, is if people would just connect us with your pastors. Like if you, yes. we exist again to equip pastors and churches. And so if you would like your church to be maybe more forward on some of these issues or topics, and maybe they are to some degree right now, um, but would be happy regardless of where your church is at, I would love to talk to your uh, to your pastor or leaders, set up a, a, a Zoom call, right. training, whatever with them. And uh, so if, if you want to pass along our information, that's one of the yes. best ways of getting the word out there. Great. I'm going to, we, we've talked about that previously. I want to personally take you up on that. We need to get uh, something on the books for that, but we'll deal with that offline. But sounds good. Anyway, so grateful for you, Gary. Thankful that you've, you've been here uh, with me for just a couple hours here. Thanks for the invitation, Kayla. It's been great. Yeah. I hope that people watching and listening will share this. I feel like we need more of these voices in this topic. Uh, Don't let 
don't let everybody who's speaking from the extremes of anger or reactionary, don't let them have the, the full say on this. Let's share this. Let's get Gary's ministry on the map in a new way. He already is, obviously. But uh, for our circles, if you're in my circle, I highly recommend, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing this. So, Gary, thank you. Love you, man. Well, Love you too. Maybe we'll have you again. Maybe if you release a new book, we'll have you again or something like that. Sounds so, good. All right. Awesome. Take care. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to seeing you in a future episode. 